Welcome to the discussion, Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Ram Iyer, the Chief Data Officer for the Food and Drug Administration and the Department of Health and Human Services, Hannah Hunt, the Chief Product and Innovation Officer for the Army Futures Command's Software Factory, Venus Goodwine, the Chief Information Security Officer for the Department of Agriculture, and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Welcome everyone to the discussion. Let me set a little context for our conversation today. For much of the past decade, agencies have been talking and doing a lot around IT modernization, but the pandemic highlighted both how far many agencies had gone and how much progress they still have to make. The last nine months have been, has been both a good news and a bad news story for sure. Agencies now must sustain this momentum gained from these efforts to meet the surge of remote workers. How, do they, how they do that is having the ability to monitor and manage these transformations to ensure mission success. This could mean gaining a better understanding of what applications, systems, and data are in the cloud and how they're responding to employee and citizen needs. This could mean expanding the use of DevSecOps to deliver capabilities more quickly. And this could mean harnessing your data to make better security decisions that's going to help drive your agencies toward better mission outcomes. And with most things, all this comes back to the data, having the right data, understanding what that data means, getting the data to the right leaders to make the right decisions. So how can agencies continue their digital transformation journey, take advantage of that data and improve mission delivery? Well, that's where our panelists come in. Once again, my guests are Ram Iyer, the Chief Data Officer at the Food and Drug Administration, Hannah Hunt, the Chief Product and Innovation Officer for the Army Futures Command's Software Factory, Venus Goodwine, the Chief Information Security Officer for the Department of Agriculture, and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Let me start with Hannah. Digital transformation, it's a big buzzword. We've heard a lot of really great stories about the pandemic and how agencies have really taken on the sense of urgency, made progress. Let's talk about the Army Futures Command. How have you guys kind of really pushed forward on digital transformation and where, and, and talk a little bit about the pandemic and how it's impacted your progress. Yeah, thanks, Jason. You know, Army Futures Command was set up about a couple of years ago, really to bring that modernization to the Army. It's compi comprised of cross-functional teams that work with the program executive offices from an acquisition perspective to bridge that gap and bring that modernization. Within the software factory within Army Futures Command, we're really focused on upskilling soldiers and enabling them to deliver software that solves soldiers' problems. How the pa pandemic has, has changed that is we've been able to execute still. You know, there's uh, the DOD rolled out the CBR platform through Microsoft Teams, which allows us to interact, you know, across the board, across multiple customers and engagements. And that has been a, a huge lifesaver because a lot of uh, before that, you know, we were stagnant and unable to have that flexibility. Uh, from a from a digital transformation perspective, there's so much going on in the Army right now. The Enterprise Cloud Management Office through the uh, CIO is emphasizing cloud modernization and bringing cloud native technologies to the to the army and we are you know lockstep with them to ensure that any software that is developed through our software factory is enabling that digital transformation through cloud native development devsecops as you mentioned user centered design all the things that are really important to deliver those awesome capabilities that our soldiers need it's interesting, we've heard the stories about CVR and the success that it has made. From a digital transformation perspective, 
a lot of people have said that I've talked to in DOD, this would not have happened as quickly as, as, as smoothly, if you will, if the pandemic didn't happen. Can you say that also against around other things that you've worked on with the Army Futures Command Software Factory? Yes, absolutely. You know, we are really in a time where the pandemic has demonstrated that we are not equipped to be able to execute quickly. And so we're building processes and policies that enable us now to deliver capabilities in such a rapid way and, and securely too, so that we can get those capabilities out in the field. Uh, you know, there's multiple techniques that we're using like coding low and deploying high to allow us to be able to work remotely and actually still code. There's uh, a, t uh, you know, a ton of different security ideas. The continuous authority to operate is something that's proliferated in the army now started really with the air force. And we are taking that as a way to say the processes that we do to develop software and deploy that software is secure by nature. And therefore, I don't necessarily need to get an authority to operate for every single piece of software that I develop. I just need to certify the process. I love that coding low and deploying high. That obviously is a security reference there for in case of people weren't, weren't sure about that. Do I, I have that right? Just I better, I better I thought a better check. Yes, yeah. So, you know, coding in an unclass environment and then coding up into, you know, various levels of classification. All right. Very good. Uh, let me bring in Ram from uh, FDA. FDA has been under a, a, just a ton of, of, of pressure, a ton of focus to really deliver during the pandemic as well. Let's start with your digital transformation strategy. I spoke with your acting CIO, AB, uh, Amy Abernathy, a few months ago, and uh, I know you guys are making a tremendous progress. Sure. Uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, FDA recently celebrated a one-year anniversary of its uh, technology modernization action plan uh, around September of uh, last year. The TMAP uh, was designed as a blueprint uh, for the agency's digital transformation and has three important components. The first one is the modernization of FDA's uh, infrastructure and operations. It's an important part of our foundation. Uh, enhancing uh, FDA's capabilities to develop technology product. So we wanted to move from a project mindset to a product mindset. And then the third item is, or the third uh, objective was to uh, have the communication and collaboration with our stakeholders to drive techno technological progress that is interoperable and it helps the uh, public health uh, mission. So we have um, embarked on this journey and uh, what the pandemic has done is it's really accelerated and moved the needle uh, incredibly fast uh, because of the various uh, drivers and the needs of the pandemic. But just one example is we've taken an all hands uh, on deck approach through initiatives like uh, an evidence accelerator that uh, Regan Udall Foundation and the Friends of Cancer Research had started and FDA is an active participant there along with our existing programs like uh, Sentinel, BEST, and NEST to put our real world data to work. So it's been a very important part of our uh, digital transformation story and also a data story. Uh, it has also increased our understanding of the breadth of ways uh, to use these data sets and then how the data uh, modernization as well as the technology modernization uh, go hand in hand to meet these uh, objectives. The data, as you said, you know, is a critical part of all of these journeys. So the technology modernization is uh, highly connected with our data uh, strategy as well. And I know, Ram, you recently joined the FDA recently in the last uh, six months or so uh, as, as somebody who is, is the chief data officer. Are you walk me through a little bit about your role and how you're kind of connecting the dots between, as you said, digital transformation and data? 
Yeah, um, the way, uh, as uh, most of you may know, um, FDA is a mission-driven organization. So we have the various centers, you know, the uh, drug, biological, uh, food, uh, tobacco. Um, they have done a very good job of focusing on what is required for each of those uh, centers. So if you see the technology, the data, the skills have been developed with that mission in mind. While that has provided some really good uh, value for each of those centers, uh, the events like the pandemic or even our um, future direction has shown that that model does not work when we have to look at the data and the capabilities at the agency level. So uh, my timing was uh, incredible in terms of witnessing that challenge and then acting as a connective tissue to look at the needs and the white spaces that are between these centers. And we are now primarily focused on that. So it's really a balance between the needs of the agency and making, our, uh, making us responsive while continuing to do the work that the centers are doing. So that's really been our focus. So that requires a lot of understanding the positive deviance of, you know, some centers are really good in one area rather than reinventing the wheel. How, what can we learn from them? Uh, and how can we take that work and amplify that for the uh, rest of the agency? Uh, that's the kind of mindset that we are operating under. And that's been fairly successful. I know the FBI is, uh, FBI. I know the FDA is getting uh, a lot of good kudos for the work you guys have done uh, specifically around the pandemic. Let me bring in Juliana from uh, Splunk for a second. Juliana, react a little bit to what you heard from Hannah, what you heard from Rom, but also what you're seeing among clients. How are they handling digital transformation? How is that being impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, my reaction is excitement and enthusiasm from what we don't, as you know, Jason, but for your, for your listens, we don't coordinate ahead of time who's going to say what. So it's it always really inspires me when I hear the leaders and the speakers that you have say the things that I'm seeing because it's a validation of what's going on across the, uh, the federal government. In particular, the words I would use are, and then that I heard uh, both Hannah and Ram talk about are acceleration, reciprocity, execution, and agency level attention or focus on data. This is new. This, I would not have said that a year ago. I think all of us would have been still struggling with my stakeholders across the agency don't understand the importance of data. They don't, they don't understand how much value we can bring to the agency's mission if we harness the, the power and, the, and um, the goodness of all the data that's across our environment. Things have changed so much in a positive direction. Now, there, um, there, I do hear some, you know, there are people across different agencies who are still fighting back and saying, no, 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 we shouldn't be um, we shouldn't be ignoring the processes that we have in place. We shouldn't be ignoring the policies that we have in place to to accelerate or to give a speed pass to things like, you know, these remote work environments. But I think overall, the progress is positive. Um, I hear more and more agency leaders from the business, from the mission, talking about data, and even saying something, even saying broad terms like it's all about the data. But when that comes from a non-IT leader, uh, someone in like a uh, a warfare program, for example, in DoD, or someone from, you know, the the finance part of the organization in a federal civilian agency, I, that's progress. 
that people across agencies are talking about how can we do better to accelerate the tools that we have, the people that we have, the skills that we have to move to a modern future. So um, what they're saying has just validated what I see and continue to see more of literally every day across the, uh, across the government. And that's a positive thing. I heard a story from a CIO maybe three, four, five months ago who mentioned very similar to what you said, Juliana, they got calls from non-IT folks, executives, saying, oh, I never realized how important IT was. And I think you're going down that same path saying, you're, and probably others like Ram and 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 uh, Hannah and, and, and Venus probably are getting the same calls going, I never understood the importance of data like I do today. But is it the pandemic that really made that shift or did something else happen along with the pandemic that made that shift because we've been talking about it's all about the data i'm sorry for like 15 or 20 years it feels like honestly i i'm glad that you asked that follow-on question because um i think it was the pandemic that was the spark and unfortunately like many crises there are horrible things uh, you know we don't need to talk about how the world has changed and how our lives have changed in negative ways but what happened early on when the pandemic started, when we were all watching the news every night about the dashboards and, you know, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks showing dashboards and data and trends and all this, the average American was paying attention to, oh, now I can see where, which hospitals have respirator shortages or where the spikes are expected to be. That's predictive analytics. We all know that. The average American probably could have cared less about that before the pandemic. But now it's real for people. Um, often, this is a lesson I learned in my time in the Pentagon, you know, until something is happening to you, it's not happening. You know, it's, it's we don't pay attention to things that don't affect us. The pandemic affected us all. The dashboards that we were seeing were, were helpful. You know, it were informing the public on what they should be paying attention to and how they should be behaving in their personal lives. And that was the spark, I think, that accelerated what we all know as practitioners, the importance of data to, to make it matter to everyone else. And honestly, I think it was the gift that we've all been waiting for and hoping for, that everybody else would care about data as much as we do, and now they do. So that's a fantastic opportunity to bring those stakeholders together into conversations about how can we all accelerate toward a modern future. I love that. I think until something's happening to you, it's not really happening. And then all of a sudden, oh, wow, that data is important. Let me bring in Venus from uh, USDA. Uh, interesting, you're going to come at this from a cybersecurity angle, which also remote work and, and everything else has probably made your job much more difficult, much more exciting, hopefully. So walk me through digital transformation at USDA. You guys have been on a great path for several years now, but how How's the pandemic also impacted that effort? So we're gonna ask for, for two things, digital transformation effort and pandemic and how they came together. Good, well, thank you so much for having me on. And so I, I wanna start kind of with the beginning, right? Um, yes, USDA, we're following on from our centers of excellence. We had a lot of processes and a lot of success with that as well. But when you hear the word strategy and you hear the word transformation, first of all, strategy makes me think of being prepared. And of course, transformation makes me think about change. And we all remember the series, Who Moved My Cheese? No one likes change. So when we talked about our strategy at USDA for transformation or change, if you would, it was it was knowing that IT did not own the digital transformation, but really it was a collaboration with the business owners. 
what can we do to offer value to the customers? It, what was our, you know, really the foundational conversation that we were having? You know, how do we uh, address the culture? How do we communicate? You remember as any, you know, project that you get started, it starts with identifying all the stakeholders and make sure that you have all the buy-in. So we had to get that from the business in order to do this. And also we wanted to start with the end in mind as well. It's one thing to say, I would like to save you time. That's good but save you time to add what value. And it really came to our user experience. And so when we think about you know, improving customer IT experiences or you know, I heard you talk about data, cultivating a data-driven culture, those are two of the things that we definitely focused on in our transformation. Um, one is to, to your point, Julie, Juliana, yes, we have a, a chief data officer, we stood up um, over 500 dashboards that would help our agencies even determine how much timber should I order, you know, based on data that we have collected. And that was transformational you know, for us. In order to do that, we did journey maps to understand, you know, what did it look like from a customer perspective and what and identified the changes that we needed to make. So this transformation, you know, for us at the Department of Agriculture really was a broad swath between all of our different agencies and understanding what the unique needs were um, as a result of that. And then, of course, from the CISO perspective, you know, my job is to make sure it's done securely. You know, I heard Hannah talk about, you know, fast track ATO. Absolutely, um, we can do that. All I First, let's talk about um, identifying what are the required protections for the data. And once I identify that, um, I can then address any threats or vulnerabilities. And really in 48 hours, you can have an authority to operate because now I'm just gonna continuously monitor this environment to make sure that the countermeasures put in place are sufficient. And so um, while there is a place for a longer time frame for doing the risk management process, I think from a cybersecurity standpoint, that was key for us. Now, if you shift that over to the conversation about how did the pandemic help me, you know, change for me to incur, to ensure that the transformation was done securely. Where is my data now? It's in the homes of every individual. <laughs> so how do I protect my data at your house, Juliana, if that's the case? It became really a collaborative effort. One, continuously communicating to the users that they are really one of the sensors for cybersecurity that they understood that they played a role in cybersecurity, that it wasn't just the cybersecurity professionals and the CISO organization. Number two, it was making sure that I understood the movement of that data and where that data was going to be as a result of the pandemic. You know, we, we, knew, we knew how to address, you know, the technology portion for the pandemic. Did we have connectivity? Yes, we had it because we have Office 365. Yes, so you have the ability to do your job in the pandemic environment. We have collaborative platforms, absolutely. But the strategy around cybersecurity from my standpoint was that constant communication and education about it is about the data, you know, and the endpoint. And then it even was, um, we took it a step further to make sure that we educate them on how to secure themselves at home because my data was there. And I know that in most homes, you know, we had their, you know, K through 12 was working, you know, was attending school. And so we knew that there were going to be some bandwidth challenges. And so all of those things really came into all of what I call that prepare step. How do we prepare? Because even though the pandemic happened, we did have to take a strategic pause and prepare how we were going to address, you know, transformation in this still um, environment, because we don't know how long this is going to be our posture. 
And so again, just to reiterate, it was about the data, you know, and, and we have what we call an enterprise data analytics platform, which has been established by our chief data officer, making sure that that data was in a secure environment. Um, and then it also became preparation and communications in that collaboration with the stakeholders. So I think that was the strategy that allowed USDA to be successful while in the pandemic. All right, uh, Venus, a lot to follow up with you on that, but we're going to take a quick break and we come back where we'll continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. Technology advances like cloud, mobile, and microservices are transforming the public sector to deliver services as efficiently as commercial businesses and do so with a remote workforce. To ensure resiliency and manage enterprise risk better, agencies are encouraged to adopt a new model called Zero Trust that emphasizes continuous monitoring for access validation. Splunk can help agencies get started with their Zero Trust initiative, increase confidence in access decisions, and better manage risk. Learn how at splunk.com slash public sector. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Ram Iyer, the Chief Data Officer at the Food and Drug Administration in the Department of Health and Human Services, Hannah Hunt, the Chief Product and Innovation Officer for the Army Futures Command's Software Factory, Venus Goodwine, the Chief Information Security Officer at the Department of Agriculture, and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. In the last segment, we were discussing the digital transformation strategy, how the pandemic impacted it. And I want to go back to something that Vina said about data. You mentioned an analytics enterprise data platform, and this is something that I think uh, is, is considered, I would uh, guess, a success story in many ways for USDA. So maybe talk a little bit more about that enterprise data platform and, and how it has really impacted the way USDA leadership makes decisions. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And so the success story is, is this. It's tied around, first of all, when you talk about data, there, there is no, no loss of data. There's a wealth of data in an organization as large as Department of Agriculture. And if you think about the, the number of agencies, 29 agencies and staff offices, they produce a lot of data. And that data is, is used by, you know, foresters, you know, ranchers, producers, and of course, citizen public. And so the thing around that data is making sure, one, that it's relevant, that it's time Timely and that it's secure, meaning that it is authoritative. And, and so in order to do that, our chief data office and his team, we established what I mentioned earlier, was the Enterprise Data Analytics Platform, EDAP for short. And that platform has created, we call them um, CXO dashboards, you know, so that it can enable data-driven decisions. And that also required a culture change because most people like to keep the data to themselves on their computer for themselves. But we encourage that that no, you can rely and you can trust the data that we've gathered through, through many sensors throughout the organization. And we present that data based on the need um, for the decision that needs to be made. As I mentioned earlier, you know, if you're in forest service, or if you need to make decisions about timber, you would have to have some historical knowledge about that data. But the analytics piece of that is not only just tying in, you know, the purchase 
you know, um, data for, you know, from acquisition, you know, data or, but it's also usage data. So how do you then, you know, really coalesce all that data together and present it in a way, and we use a, a platform to do that so that it's visualized easily so decisions can be made, you know, with graphs and bars, and then you can, of course, drill down into to additional data. So that's one data, you know, and data point. And then for me, from a cybersecurity standpoint, using that platform as well to make risk-based decisions about, you know, software that's in installed on endpoints or if a new software is installed do I get a notification so that I make sure that it's authorized you know do I watch the type of incidents you know that may happen throughout the organization so that I can make decisions about changes in either skills resources you know or priorities and so having these multiple level of of dashboards you know at our ready you know executives really can look across the department and and understand um what they have at their fingertips in, toward, in order to make informed decisions. And then of course, knowing that it's authoritative. And so that was a huge success for us. We continue to build upon that as, as we continue and really focused on even having the data to make decisions around the IT workforce or making decisions around the value of services that we're providing. Because we have, we, you know, IT, you know, OCIO within Department of Agriculture being the premier service provider for the mission areas, we have to make sure that the services we provide add value. And so with that conversation and gathering those needs was definitely critical in helping us to understand what to visualize and the decisions that needed to be made by the executives. So that was our success story at Department of Agriculture. One thing that occurs to me as you go through this success story is from a CISO's perspective, when they start to say, we're going to bring all this data together, when we're going to have a dashboard, when we're going to make give people access, meaning even though they're executives and even though they are trusted, did that concern you? Did you say, yes, but we need to do it in a way that's secure and here's, and here's how? Like, walk me just quickly through that, that discussion that you had because I could see a lot of times people in your position get the uh, get the uh, unfair moniker of, of you know the the CIO no or the CISO no or, or however we want to call you all. Yeah so at the risk of sounding you know corny um, I am not the office of NO I'm the office of KNOW and what I mean by that is I work with the missionaries to understand their business and their actual needs and so the process was this you have data that you'd like to have visualized in a platform my questions I ask questions like well what type of data is it? Um, what is the security requirements around it? What protection is needed? Is it encrypted in transit? You know, is it data at rest? And so I start to put on, you know, all of the, and ask the questions about the protection of the data. Then I move to, well, let's talk about the users that's going to access the data. Do they have a valid need to know? Um, so I put in things in place like role-based access, making sure that those that only need to read can just read. And then we follow up with that by putting in audit mechanisms as well to make sure that all the countermeasures that we put in place are in fact operating as intended. So it's a cyclical process, right? You know, and once you identify the data, I've now protected the data. Now you're using the data and now I audit to make sure that it's used, used for the um, purposes intended. And so that was a real conversation with myself and the business owners and of course the privacy owners. And at the end of the day, um, I recognize that, that um, um, business drives cybersecurity. And so I can't say no because we have a business to run and I have you know, services that I must provide. And so I try to work hard and be really mindful of the value of cybersecurity services to the business owner. 
I love that uh, both the CIO no, I mean, sorry, Office of no, K-N-O-W, but also uh, I just want to point out, you didn't say any buzzwords in there like zero trust. So one check mark for you because nice job there. Uh, let me let me bring in some others. Hannah, Ram, you want to jump in a little bit and talk about success stories? Maybe Hannah, I know you have a pretty good one about software. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our main focus at the software factory is to solve soldier problems. Whatever those problems are, we want to make sure that they are have a better impact on their lives and improve that. During the pandemic, we saw a problem set that we thought could easily be fixed. So in the army, there are these warehouses that kind of act like Amazon warehouses where you pick your parts and you have to put them together and ship them out to all these different locations. Very, you know, run of the mill kind of warehouse work. Well, the system that does that uh, for you is uh, incredibly manual. It's not sorted in a way that makes sense. They're doing, they're spending, soldiers are spending tens of hours more than they would normally just to get their their parts in a particular order. Um, and it, you know, it hurts morale. You know, there's been some morale concerns across the entire DOD workforce. So those types of things are, are incredibly important to soldier welfare. So what we did is, is we said, we're going to solve this problem, this very specific problem for a large group of people that do this work all across the country and internationally. And so what we did is we took a team of, of civilians, government civilians and soldiers and built an application and got an ATO in 99 days to deliver this software capability on NipperNet or you know, the controlled unclassified uh, uh, system that allowed them to increase the amount of picks that they needed to do in a day. It automated the process to make it more streamlined and improve that functionality. And it uh, saved soldier hours, um, 12 hours per pick. Uh, they're kind of done in increments along the way. And so that's a huge boost, a huge win. And all of that isn't possible unless you have a different mindset when it comes to cybersecurity. So the level of risk that somebody is willing to take, that's the whole point of the risk management framework. But over time, it's been truncated to this very manual bureaucratic process that actually doesn't save anything. You know, there's this notion of cost of delay you're delaying and delaying and delaying providing this capability is actually more harmful than you know the manual steps it takes to approve an ato package so for us we said let's automate that process let's build a continuous integration continuous delivery pipeline that automates a lot of those security controls builds those controls already so if code doesn't pass that security control it's not going to production and so by doing that, you know, we're able to, to actually provide value to soldiers faster versus waiting the typical life cycle of a software program in the DOD is five to 10 years. And so we're saying, let's get something to them now. Let's get an MVP, let's get a solution and we can continue to iterate upon it. And that is such a big win. It's small, but it's a big win for those soldiers that are con constantly fighting old legacy software and being able to deliver something to them that provides immense value. Oh, Hannah, if I can add in, I want to say kudos to you because that is a, a, a major milestone, you know, building, baking in cybersecurity. We have said that mantra forever. And as a CISO, my heart is just pattering, you know, pity patter when I hear you talk about that because it's important. And you have just really um, articulated the value of doing that because now you can provide, you know, products to the user when they need it in the time that they need it. And moving from idea to deployment and knowing that cybersecurity is already baked in is, is a huge milestone. So definitely congratulations on that. And, and from a CISO, I understand the culture it takes in order to make that transition. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about pushing security to the left, and that is exactly security professionals need to be a part of that scoping work to de define the problem and to be able to execute it. So totally in agreement there. Juliana, jump in because it's we can all kind of say great security, but it's the data that drove the security. You knew what data you had. You knew what level it was. You knew what you wanted to do with it. Juliana, jump in. Yeah, as I'm as I'm listening, I am also smiling from ear to ear and going, yes, 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 you know, for all of these mission relevant success stories that are outside of the IT office, but, you know, in Hannah's case, talking about supporting soldiers and accelerating. Um, and it, it takes people like our speakers today and like leaders that I'm seeing more and more across the government understanding that all of that mission success can be accelerated through an emphasis on data. And um, one story I'd like to share, Jason, is, is an agency that uh, isn't represented here today, but that we all engage with, and that's the U.S. Census Bureau. Um, this last year happened to be their next, their uh, most recent decennial census. Uh, census Bureau has been around, well, the first, first U.S. Census was done in 1790. The agency was actually created in the early 1900s, but 1790. They've been doing this census thing, you know, for a really long time. And up until last year, it was manual. You know, we all remember the people showing up at your door with the, you know, the, um, the piece of paper, the checklist, whatever. And um, thank goodness Census Bureau finally um, got leadership agreement to make let's modernize this process because by the time the 2020 census came around they already were automating i mean i got my census request and you know click two buttons and i was done that's a heck of a lot better than something comes in the mail you fill out the thing you send it in or you open your door imagine if they hadn't done that before the pandemic hit because when the pandemic hit and we were all doing our electronic census Nobody was going door to door. We couldn't have, they could not have executed the census last year if they hadn't moved to a modern data-driven process, you know, in the couple of years running up to the 2020 decennial census. So not only did um, the way they execute the census on all of our behalfs, because as we know, census results, census results um, then drive decisions about school zoning and taxes and, you know, a lot of things that we all consume. So it benefits all of us for that census data to be to be accurate and to be you know relevant and valid. So not only externally for us as citizens was that data modernization important, but internally to the bureau itself, kind of like Venus has talked about and Hannah has talked about talked about internal business processes that they were that they used they used Splunk and other products and other other data platform capabilities to find efficiencies in their own business. Um, I learned something last year talking to some leaders from the census that they hire like a million people when the census comes around to go out to reach those remote areas that that you know we don't often think of and and remote areas of Alaska and remote areas of the territories, and they were able to find efficiencies in those processes and how they and how they send all those people out to do the census the work of the census bureau by leveraging data by doing the things that that venus and ram and hannah are doing inside their agency and it benefits us all so that's a real mission outcome and uh and all driven by a focus on not only how do we gather data and capture data but then use it to make decisions and take action because that's where the value proposition is it goes back to the comment you made earlier about understanding the data. People understand the data. When you talk about the census and impacts taxes in school districts and things like that, 
that I think is much more in front of people than at any other time because data visualization and the like, people understand or just understanding the data. Ram, speaking of understanding the data, walk me through a little bit about the FDA and some of the, your success stories and how you made data work for uh, the, the agency. Sure, uh, I really loved uh, Hannah's uh, expression of uh, soldiers. Uh, you know, we think that soldiers are only in the army, but we all have our own soldiers. In our case, the reviewers are our soldiers. And if we don't listen to them, we're not going to be successful. So I, my story is actually is about helping our soldiers, which are our review process, which is our review process. You know, about uh, four to five years back, it used to take um, three to five years for a generic drug to be approved. Um, and one of the main reasons we found that it was taking the, such a long time was we didn't have a very good way to orchestrate how the reviews are happening within the um, uh, agency. So the team put together a simple workflow system that um, in the next, uh, in after its implementation, the time it took to approve went down from uh, three to five years to about 10 months. Uh, There's a very good success story. It was done in a very nice scoped manner. And then they decided, okay, this is a success story. Now, why don't we replicate it in other areas like new drug evaluation, et cetera. But they found that it was not that easy uh, for a couple of reasons. One is you, they didn't, we didn't have a good way of mapping the process and we had not digitized the process. So the digital transformation then really began at that point where uh, we looked at our safety review and we looked at our orphan drugs and the team went and um, created a, a value mapping for those processes and then digitized those processes. And then they worked with the technology partners to come up from developing these on a project by project mo model to a platform model. So we found a platform that is now able to take on multiple processes and is able to implement that with configuration instead of customization. And these two things are going to provide tremendous digital transformation for us. And I'm, we are so glad we started this journey quite a while back. Now that we have really uh, gained some experience with that, they, we have created an entire capability and governance around identifying new workflows for example, the, uh, the emergency use authorization has more than, uh, uh, you know, increased more than 10 times in the last uh, one year. So the ability to take all of that and put that into our workflow engine gives us a few things. One, it increases our speed, reduces cycle time, obviously. It also gives some valuable data. So we are instrumenting the processes from an end-to-end -end perspective, and it allows us to be much more nimble, much more efficient and uh, effective in how we manage all of these processes. So I think it's been a very good success story. So the, the critical success factors I would say is uh, about 30 to 40% is technology. Um, the rest of it is really understanding the customer needs and having tremendous leadership support um, at the top level to make these uh, changes. Those have really uh, helped us in this journey. Ram, I, I agree with that. And that's what I hear you say exactly is in order for us to be successful with this change or transformation requires preparation, customer input, 
and definitely buy-in. And I think we all will agree is we were doing a lot of this work. And when the pandemic happened, we took a pause for a moment and then we realized, hey, we can do this. And I am pleased at how it's pushed us, pushed our boundaries a little bit, right? And, and forced us to really to understand the art of the possible. And I think, frankly, we're probably taking on more risk than we normally would have, would, would have had in the past if we weren't in this environment. And I like to say, we can't go back. This is now the new pace. This is now the new norm. And so we just need to build on this and, and continue because now we've proven that we can do it. And so I think this, these are some exciting times you know, for transformation and really for off offering customer value. Right, we're going to have to take a quick break. I know other want to jump in on that. And, and Ron, thanks for sharing the, the story. I think that's another great one. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. Technology advances like cloud, mobile, and microservices are transforming the public sector to deliver services as efficiently as commercial businesses and do so with a remote workforce. To ensure resiliency and manage enterprise risk better, agencies are encouraged to adopt a new model called Zero Trust that emphasizes continuous monitoring for access validation. Splunk can help agencies get started with their Zero Trust initiative, increase confidence in access decisions, and better manage risk. Learn how at Splunk.com public sector. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Ram Iyer, the Chief Data Officer at the Food and Drug Administration in the Department of Health and Human Services, Hannah Hunt, the Chief Product and Innovation Officer for the Army Futures Command's Software Factory, Venus Goodwine, the Chief Information Security Officer at the Department of Agriculture, and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. I want to go back to something that Venus said in the last segment about cybersecurity, role-based access, understanding if you need read, read and write privileges. This also comes back down to, and again, I give you credit, Venus, for not saying those, those buzzwords of zero trust, but really a lot of what has happened with digital transformation, what has happened with the pandemic has really pushed agencies toward this security idea, this automation, this, this understanding of roles and responsibilities. How's USDA going in that direction as well? Yes, and so Jason, I wanted to take an opportunity. The other, the other success story I wanted to highlight was that all that, because you know a lot of our users are at home and it's telework um, enhanced environment and so is their endpoint. And so still being able to capture that endpoint data and application data and have it actually flow through our seam in which we use Splunk for that has been critical for us because that is where as a CISO, I'm able to understand any of the vulnerabilities or potential vulnerabilities or um, challenges to the data. And so that is has been a success because we had that structure set up in place. And when the pandemic happened, we were pleased to know that we still received all of that data. And so all the analytics, rather it's an indicator of compromise or if it's understanding the activity that was happening to, with a particular application, we can do that using our Splunk seam. So from a security operations center perspective, that was a, a good news story that was still a huge success because that showed our resiliency and the resiliency of the platform as well that we still were able to capture that data, use that data, and again, make um, security informed decisions as well. And so I wanted to share that success story here today, along with the use of data, because that is very important data to me as a CISO. 
And as the threat surface increased because people, more people work from home and USDA has been one of those agencies over the years that had a pretty strong telework program that also played a huge role. So you felt more comfortable with the amount of people and what they were doing from home as well, I, I would imagine. Yeah, because let's be let's be honest, right? We're at home, and but our kids are at home, and our spouses are at home too. So our users could be distracted. So knowing that I have that data automatically fed, and I could make decisions without requiring the user to provide that data to me, that is what made this a success for us. Hannah, let me switch over to you for a second because I think uh, the Army as as well as is. is, is is really kind of using data to make better decisions. You're moving out with the, the platforms and, and driving, as, as Vina said, the security side of it, but you also have to drive the mission side of it. Walk me through a little about where you're heading with the, the data and how that's driving better success. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of different options when it comes to providing data analysis and optimization and observability. Uh, for us in the Army, a lot of that is converging around something called project convergence. It's basically this kind of streamlined training activity that brings all these different systems and sensors together to better inform decision making. Uh, within the software factory and uh, the enterprise cloud management office, we're looking at a very robust type of data process using data lakes and data warehousing to ensure that we can easily observe our data and optimize it for all the, you know, all the buzzwords of machine learning and AI. Uh, we really just need the data in a place that is actually scrubbed in a way that provides that observability and optimization. And I think we're still getting there. Uh, you know, there's also this notion of event streaming, a way of integrating multiple applications and software products to better inform that decision making, but through events and activities. Uh, that's something we're pushing really, really hard for in the software factory by building a portfolio approach of, of products that do impact soldiers, you know, everything from logistics and maintenance to command and control and weapon system work to, you know, the minor things like making it easier to pick parts uh, and deliver those. So event streaming, I think, is the, is the really a new way for us to be able to, to provide decision making and, you know, the notion of that kill chain, you know, bringing that together and closer so that we can we can make better informed decisions. And when you talk about this idea of event streaming, it's the the, no, the different events in a soldier's or a unit's lifetime or, or, or day or week or whatever, and then using the data to connect those dots to say, this, this, and this could mean that we better look into it. Is that, I'm, I'm simplifying it, I know. Right, yeah. I mean, you can do this with predictive maintenance um, and, and ensuring that if we know that a, a, a tank or a truck is going to be, uh, you know, going to need some form of uh, repair, we can, we can use the data and the results from a lot of these software applications that we're developing to better inform that decision making. Uh, and say, okay, well, we know that this this tank is going to need X, you know, piece of equipment in the next three weeks. We better order that, and it just like streamlines efficiencies over and over again, and and it makes it easier on every piece of the supply chain and the soldiers' lives that really just need like, you know, more data to be able to streamline their lives, increase w welfare and morale, uh, all the, all the things that are so important. Uh, we're still in a very manual world within the Army and having these opportunities like event streaming uh, or big data platforms really do enable that, um, that like modernization effort. 
Juliana, what we heard from Hannah, what we heard from Ram, what we heard from Venus today, it all comes back to something I think you said at the very beginning of our conversation is people understanding the value of data more than ever. What are you, when you talk to your clients and you're having these very similar conversations, do they, are you seeing this or do we just pick the three people that are, are ahead of the, of the, of the bunch? No, uh, I, you, had, you had three that are definitely ahead um, and are sharing those ideas, but I do see that, thankfully, um, more and more across the federal space. Um, and that's what's so exciting. I mean, it really is, because what we're really, what I'm proud of being part of a technology vendor Splunk to deliver, but what we're really all after is not just modernization for modernization's sake, because that's what we should do, but I like to talk about it in terms of providing a sublime citizen experience. We should be getting the same level of service with the same quality and, and fun even in, in how we engage with our our services and our, our um, well, our services and experience provided from the federal government that we get from every other vendor, every other company that we engage with in our personal lives. So all the cool functionality through apps on our smartphone or, you know, however we engage with vendors that sell products that we buy or in places that we go to eat or whatever, all of that should be the same level of service that the government is providing. And agencies that are leveraging data and technology to deliver those services are finding that they can provide a sublime citizen experience. Not just, meh, it's good enough and it's better than it was 10 years ago, but it's what soldiers um, and citizens and you know, sailors and Marines and everybody across the DOD and every one of us as citizens across the federal government, but we deserve as taxpayers, as, as Americans. And, um, and I am seeing it. It's very cool to see the acceleration of adoption of technology and making it real to, to everyone so that we can stop uh, having this mystical discussion around data and ML and all these terms that most Americans don't understand and don't want, don't need to understand, but how does it help them? How does it help my life get better as a citizen? And um, it's really, it's really cool to see. And I, I have to say um, that this is what the power of cloud is all about, you know, because delivering that kind of sublime experience requires scale, agility, um, constant modernization, constant, you know, continuous monitoring from a security perspective. And none of that is possible in a legacy plugs, wires, configuration set up in, in a data center. It's just not possible. So to see people look at look at that as like what the value of moving to a cloud, um, cloud hybrid cloud environment is all about, that's, that's exciting, and I get to see that every day. It's fun. Ron, we have just about a minute left or, or less. Can you just kind of give me a quick update on the data modernization action plan? Where, when, when can we get to see it, and what, what's going to be in it? Give me about the the, the fifty thousand foot view. So, uh, there are three uh, major aspects to that. We will look at the uh, the right driver projects required to improve our value or get value from our data. Uh, looking at data practices from an end-to-end -end perspective, including making it AI ready. And then the third part is talent. So those are the key components we'll be looking at. And uh, we've not decided on the release. It's going through some reviews. So we've not received a final end date on the reviews, but it should be in the, in the matter of weeks. Uh, we should be sending it out. And then I want to quickly finish the thought on the AI and ML. I, I want to make sure that AI and ML is going to both help uh, the stakeholders and the industries uh, and the public health by incorporating that in the products that we review, but it also is going to help us internally to scale our capabilities 
across the board for FTA because we can't just scale with more people. We need to scale with technology and automation and data, and we'll be using that uh, in that space as well. All right, plenty to look out for. This has been a, just a tremendous conversation, but unfortunately we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guests. Ram Iyer is the Chief Data Officer at the Food and Drug Administration in the Department of Health and Human Services. Hannah Hunt is the Chief Product and Innovation Officer for the Army Futures Command's Software Factory. Venus Goodwine is the Chief Information Security Officer at the Department of Agriculture. And Juliana Vita is the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Thank you all so much for taking the time today. Bye-bye. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Splunk. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Data as a Tool in Digital Transformation and Cybersecurity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network.